You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. You know, with Baz Luhrmann, the director's love of excess and big music and big colors and everything over the top, it makes sense, I guess, that he would do an Elvis thing, because Elvis, I mean, come on, same things, right? <laughs> like excess, way over both, the top, I think music. I performers, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. But, it, <laughs> but I didn't see it coming. I was like, wait, really? Baz Luhrmann's going to do an Elvis biopic? Um, okay. I'm okay. I'm a shameless Baz Luhrmann fanboy. Same here. I've even Australia. Not even Australia. <laughs> That's the only exception for me. I'm like, no, that movie sucks. But the rest of them are all pretty goddamn good. Yes. So I was very excited that he was going to do the Elvis story because I'm like, I have no idea how, what his take is going to be on, but Elvis is so bigger than life. He's so mythic. He's so huge. There's so many conflicting stories. What's true? What's not true? What actually happened? That this is perfect Baz Luhrmann, whose whole, you know, you know, just a moment says Baz Luhrmann's directing this. This is not going to be a super realistic version of the Elvis story. This is going to be no. a very mythological version. Mythologized. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Version yeah. of that story, which is all I want. Cause honestly, I mean, full credit to Elvis and his mark on history and all that, but I just don't really give that big a shit whether or not it's true. <laughs> I mean, we've all been in, like, general biopic overload, like, every year more and more and more, and we don't need any more Eyes of Timey Faze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Aretha's. That was a shit movie. Let's be real. Yeah, um, there, there were mixed opinions about it, Frank. You and I were on the side of that movie sucked, but yeah. not everybody was. Not the Academy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not the people who paid the Academy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're going to review Elvis. We saw all two hours and 39 minutes of it. Me, Frank. Hello. And Sarah. Hello. Are going to talk about this thing. Two hours and 39 minutes is a lot to ask out of anyone, much less critics who have to go see almost everything anyway. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm so excited until I heard that. I was like, oh, God, two hours and 39 minutes. But it's Boss Lerman, so it'll be delightful. And I will tell you, for the first half of this film, it was everything I was hoping for. A delightful, colorful miasma of insane Baz Luhrmann. It's like him at like seventh gear going in like, I'm gonna, this is, I'm gonna Moulin Rouge this bitch. <laughs> of just everything. And plus, the delightfulness of something no one's really done with the Elvis biopics, of which there are many that have come out before, which is emphasizing the importance of the influence of the black culture on what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And balancing that in a way that doesn't 
doesn't present him as a white savior. Or like someone who just like capitalized on the black musical. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. Like, it, it doesn't really offer an opinion about that so much as just presents him as someone who's like, this is what he loved. Here's the important key difference here about Elvis's life and how everything got so weird was Colonel Tom Parker, who was the guy who discovered Elvis doing a show at a carnival. At that point, he was like touring around with this mid-country musician guy and his son and was like, saw this guy and everyone's like, oh, look at him gyrating. That's disgusting. And he's like, uh-huh. But are you seeing the woman in the front row and what they're doing? Which is literally the best part of the whole film is that first Elvis appearance where he gets up and he's was gyrating. That, was that the highlight for you? The, that, when they're just losing their minds and like that whole like montage of shots of reactions between people from absolute disgust to like Tom Hanks under a lot of fat makeup playing Colonel Tom Parker going like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, it's real offensive, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. But every time Tom Hanks came, like, on the screen, like, so is that the scene you shot before you got COVID? He certainly didn't lose any weight, so, uh, oh, hey. yeah, no, I mean, it's obviously fat makeup, and it's not the world's best latex makeup either, and it goes through many evolutions. Like, the film starts with a sort of, here's him well after Elvis died, dealing with the accusations that he's the one who manipulated Elvis and even killed him, as it were. So it sets up that question, how responsible was he for the downfall of Elvis? And according to Baz Luhrmann, 100% (laughs) was responsible for him. There is almost zero sympathy for Colonel Tom Parker in this film, which I don't know enough about Elvis to argue with, and I don't care. I'm just here to talk about this particular aspect of it. I'd rather say it's pretty spot on because he's very notorious for having this like Svengali-like cult. You could not get past like the Colonel. There are more stories about the Colonel than there are about Elvis amongst like people who try to collaborate with him today. Like Dolly Parton, he famously wanted her to cover "I Will Always Love You." But Colonel Tom Parker said he won't record a song he doesn't have the publishing rights to. And she's like, "Well, it's already been published." And he's like, "Well, sorry, that that's that's the way it's got to be." He's like, "Well, then you're not recording my song." But yeah, so everyone's got a Colonel Tom. Parker Star Streisand couldn't get past the Colonel. Like he was like that. Talk about a Svengali in all caps. And that's what ultimately this movie is about. I mean, in many ways, Tom Parker is really the star of this film. Not even anti-hero, straight up villain, but he's the narrator. Everything is kind of viewed through his eyes, and he's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he even describes himself as a con man from the beginning. Like, oh, here's a con the normals. You know, I'm a carny. That's what we do. From the beginning, you're like, okay, everything. What little I know about tom parker is like this probably is not going to play out well yeah and it just gets darker and darker now austin butler who's playing elvis here who initially when you see him you're like i don't really think he looks that much like elvis and then Oof. you kind of grow into it to the point where you're like he looks exactly yeah, like elvis. Say, come just back, wait come back special when he got the really big sideburns yeah. is when yeah. he really looked like him i was yeah. like wow yeah yeah there were times when especially in like the black and white elements would it be a photograph or a TV appearance? Like, they put in real footage here. Like, no, that's Austin Butler. Like, yeah. he is, like, really inhabiting him. He's a large part of why I think this movie works. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I think this movie wouldn't have worked as much as it does, and I am mixed on it, without his performance. Mm-hmm. He gets 
this mythic version of Elvis, which this decidedly is, because Elvis was not always a great guy. Like, they don't even touch on Elvis's whole... Affairs <laughs> with, like, everybody. <laughs> like, they well, they do barely touch on yeah. that, but they, like, the whole, like, hypocritical thing of, like, oh, you people doing drugs and stuff, you're just a bad people. And you're like, this is a dude who had a fucking pharmaceutical cabinet that was insane. It was, like, deeply <laughs> yes. addicted to drugs, and he's shitting on people for smoking weed. I mean, Elvis was not an unassailable personality. This version of him, even Priscilla forgives him for his affairs, which is as close as they get to, without any discussion. She's like, yeah, yeah I don't care who you're fucking. But she doesn't want the drugs. <laughs> yeah. She's like, but you're fucking a drug addict. That, I can't deal with that. And then, even then, it's like a completely sympathetic version of him. Again, Baz Luhrmann's mythic version of him. By that point in the film, because half this film, two hours and 39 minutes of it, first hour and a half or so, is The Rise. And The Rise is delightful. And it caps off at the, was it 69, uh, comeback special, I 68. think? 68. 68. Which is tremendous. And you're like, oh, wow. And you're rooting for him because already Tom Parker is doing this whole sort of, well, I think I know best what to do for your career. And they just, he just wants to make him into a generic but Pat Boone type. I gotta say, I think that's also like Baz Luhrmann because he's such a romanticist. Well, that's and, what I'm saying. Yeah. 100%. You look at every single one of his films, even something that, that's like Australia, which, I like. Oh my god, are we really Come talking on, about Frank. Australia? Yes. Frank. It, Read the room, Frank. It does, well, I, I'm, I'm in my own room. I don't care. <laughs> but uh, that does have, like, I don't want to say dreamy, but it does have a romantic sense about it. And I don't think he can't not make that sort of, he can't not have that kind of lens. I, I think it's okay that he does in this being a Baz Luhrmann production of Elvis's life. I think that, like, once it gets past that special and goes into the fall, it's more and more about, like, oh my god, Tom Parker, what? Like, I seriously kept saying, he's got to Elvis's friend. Yeah, you told us that. Yeah, like, I was like, oh my god, I kept seeing it. It got stronger and stronger as it was going on, as he got more and more disgusting and jowly as the film got on as well. See, for- not, not Elvis, but Tom Parker. Because <laughs> they barely fattened up Elvis up until the very last scene. It just kind of went from this deliriously fun experience of just like Baz Luhrmann at his height of doing what Baz Luhrmann does. The music is coming in and out of different channels of the speakers and it's just running through his life at like a breakneck speed hitting all the important points but doing it in this delightful, colorful, fun way and even integrating modern music into it to some extent. There's like hip-hop in here. Was that Did you you like that? I didn't know. I didn't know. I I don't know enough about to say. Did you like that? I thought it was interesting. It took me out, personally. I kind of wish he had done more of it, because there was only a little bit. There were only two incidences where they did it. I felt like you should have done it through the whole movie, rather than just picking these two moments. It definitely feels clear that Lerman wanted to emphasize the influence of black music on his life. And that was very, very important here to, like, fully credit there's a sequence where they literally split up the screen into three parts mm-hmm. on one song where it's like here's the original musician doing the song that elvis as a child saw doing it and here's young elvis doing it and now here's old elvis doing it and to be very clear full credit and this film presents a picture of elvis where he was the guy going yeah full credit to these guys they did it i don't know how true that is i think i'm the exact opposite of you <laughs> surprise that well that never the, happens Frank. no that never happens of course we both love nothing but trouble in greece too don't oh we my God. um but i mean greece too is not that bad no but, it's not 
nothing not, but trouble on the other hand is is also not that bad but <laughs> <laughs> i really from the get-go i was not taken by this as much as everybody else was because of the high level of stylization and yes and i know who's directing it i know and there were liked australia <laughs> and i liked australia but i something like moulin rouge a hundred percent a masterpiece yes a hundred percent a masterpiece that still is it always will be i dance around my living room during the pandemic to <laughs> order pitcher margaritas and, di- and put that movie on and i was off every time the elephant explodes when you and mcgregor goes i will always love you yeah i just got the chills up my spine know, just I saying know. it oh god <laughs> the elephant medley is like the best but i think there was actually moments of earnestness and there was sincerity more than i thought there was here for the most part i think that this was more of a two and a half hour montage than it was an actual movie oh it's definitely and, that and I, I never felt that with Baz Luhrmann before regardless of what subject he was tackling i just don't think that this was a really good fit for him except when Elvis was on stage singing. The plot and the characterization time, are incidental to this film because yeah. Baz comes at it in a way like, you already know all this stuff. But every time that Elvis, he captured Elvis on stage singing, I thought, well, you got this. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. But then everything else is like, things were just passed over in like a quick collage of scenes. And yeah. it's beautiful. It's kaleidoscopic. It's, it's great to look at, but it's not, you just. I, I think you get tired of it if it lasts yeah. a little while because I was like excited and a super high watching him do it and going, this is so beautiful and this is a masterpiece of editing both sound and video i was really all about it but then there's a point you're like shit this has been going on yeah, for exactly. 45 <laughs> minutes straight like, we gotta get just the, we gotta get the roller coaster at some point we can't ride it and, until the carnival closes and yet when the roller coaster ends and we get past the 68 comeback special there's not a lot much else to offer without it he turns the film into kind of a standard biopic fall sequence you're waiting for the downfall yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you get the downfall, well, I mean, but you know. it's not as interestingly made. It's almost like you watch Basil Lerman get bored with the project. I think Lisa Marie and Priscilla Presley were involved in this mm. because I know they've given it their seal of approval. Yeah. And yeah. so I think this is like a sanitized version that, that they wanted to see. They skip over a lot of parts, you know, where he meets Priscilla and that's like just one scene and suddenly they're married. I'm like, wait a minute. I think she was like 14 <laughs> or 15. Yeah, they definitely so, dodge past that aspect. Right. Of it. And so yeah. I think that it was just what they wanted to show. And I mean, clearly Colonel Tom Parker was like the most repellent person. But also, did anybody know that he was from Holland? Like before you not. saw Tom Hanks I I had in no the trailer? Idea. I, I, I mean, neither. I, I was shocked. I swore that I'd seen a documentary with him featured. I thought I heard a southern accent. Yeah, I always associate him with with the South. Yeah, I I thought I did too. But, but you know, Colonel Tom Parker, the way he dressed, you're like he's a southern like maybe Colonel Sanders. There's right, even a yeah. Colonel Sanders joke in the movie. Okay, but that wasn't who he was. I mean, I do want to give full credit for Hanks for really working his <laughs> ass off through the makeup to make him so fucking repellent. I mean, the camera's on Hanks just as much as it is on Austin Butler in this did you, film. Did you feel it was forced, though? Like, I, yes. I, I, yeah. At a certain point, I thought that the, you're, you're just trying to insert him in here now. You know, I mean, and, that was their star that they got for this film. Like, yeah. Well, it felt like, well, shit, we got to put that much more Tom Hanks in here for that. The one thing I'll separate this from other rise and fall biopics of rock stars, which is 
all of them pretty much, is that in this case, at least in terms of this version of the story, it wasn't really the fault of the own person's excesses that brought them down. It was another person on the outside, which I can't think of another biopic, which that's the case. I mean, you could argue Sid and Nancy if they had made it that way, like about the sex pistols. I, yeah. I haven't seen Pistol, I the saw, new I, show. I reviewed it. So and, I don't know how yeah. much Malcolm McLaren is represented. Oh, in he that. is. Oh, th- that's actually a good comparison because yeah. Yeah, okay. he's a presence that just grows more Because he's like, a Tom Parker type. Yeah, he yeah. is. He's, well, he's more of an impresario, but less devious, but he is that does have that sort of like hold on those guys. And yeah. Watch that show, Chris. You, I think you'd I, like I it. will, but it's yeah. one of those on the list because, you know, I'm an old punk rocker. So. We've all got lists. So yeah. We've all got lists. <laughs> We've all got a list. Yeah. I think there's just this point where I'm like, I'm with it. I've got that manic energy. I'm having so much fun. And then even before it stops its style and changes it to more of a standard biopic. I'm like, I'm getting tired. Yeah. (laughs) Like this is like, I need something like character scenes. And then the moment they start going to actual scenes in the film, which like, I kid you not, it's over an hour before there's a single scene in this film that lasts more between two characters than like five (laughs) seconds. You know, and I'm enjoying on that level. I'm like, Oh, it's Baz Luhrmann. That's what he does, I Mm -hmm. guess. But, once it starts doing it, all the style kind of goes out the window, I felt like. Yeah. Well, now it just is, this is just walk the line or something, you know? Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I was not crazy about it. But let's go to final thoughts. Sarah, do you want to start us off? I didn't love it. I do like Baz Luhrmann, um, not as much as Frank, I don't think. <laughs> or Chris. Or Chris. Chris yeah. um, I love like, I, I really love, like, Romeo and Juliet. And so good. I like Moulin Rouge. So uh, good. Great Gatsby. Awful. S- what? <laughs> yes, that's like. It's, but it's the best gift ever. Uh, well, yes. That's <laughs> you mean the, the, the caprio I mean, with yes. the champagne. Yes. The caprio with the champagne. You didn't have glass. to say it. We all knew it. Yeah, we all knew immediately what it yeah. was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just there's just too much. It's just too much. <laughs> too many notes, like Salieri would say. In, uh, <laughs> too many notes. It's not but, my tempo. Um, uh, um, but awesome, now you got me. <laughs> awesome Butler, amazing. Yes. Like when he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he's only in it for, you know, he rides the horse. Tex. Yeah. Watson. Yes, Tex mm-hmm. Watson. And he Check is amazing. Check out the expert amazing. on serial killers over here. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I, I do, I do love my, my true crime series. Yeah. I saw a true crime documentary recently, and one of the killer's friends who was interviewed was a guy I hooked up with in London. Oh, God. Uh, and I was like, oh, you're on my TV screen all these years later. <laughs> That's what you look like. Anyway, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> anyway, so Austin Miller was amazing in that, in just in that little brief moment. So when I saw he was going to be in this, I was like, yes. And he's just gorgeous. I mean, I was... He's a great actor, but it was not easy on the eyes for that first. Um, it's you a know. challenge to play this role in all the mm-hmm. different stages of his yes, life. Yeah. And if there's one thing you can say unassailably about this film, he does it. Yeah. He pulls it off. Absolutely. And makes it as big as it should be. Yeah. yeah. He's a great dancer. I mean, I don't know if he was actually singing or not, or if that was... Yeah, actually, I don't know. And then the movie is way too long, and I feel like they focused too long on so many things and then not long enough on other things. Like, they just brush over the movies that he was in, like, in just, like, this little Baz Luhrmann-y way, which was... What it was was fine, but I wanted it to be much longer. And mm-hmm. so... And again, like, the Priscilla, the meeting of them... Could have been better yes yeah i'm only gonna give this six charlie hodge bring me my scarf and waters uh out of ten <laughs> frank so, so so it sounds like <laughs> you wanted a shorter film but restructured in a way i like, think so different points hit i didn't mind like the longer like the comeback special the way they filmed that was amazing 
You know, they spent a lot of time on that. And I was like, yes, this is great. Yeah. But then that's when the f- film kind of just fell after that. But it's that. also yeah. such, a, it's such a highlight, that scene. And they I accomplish mean, it. Right. They spent a lot of time on, yeah. on it and the buildup and how Tom Parker would have made it totally differently and fucked it up. And yeah. then Elvis's own willpower going, no, fuck that, it's I'm going to do this. It's, it's a yeah. huge sequence and it pays off. It has my, my favorite Elvis song, which is If I Can Dream. Oh, which, really? Yeah, that's, that's your favorite? That's my favorite. I think it's such a beautiful song. Mm. It, and that's in the collection of like, Really amazing songs. <laughs> right. Mm. Yeah. I did like this. It's not a movie. It's a montage that doesn't end. As much as a stylist and a formalist as Lerman is, I never felt that until this film. I just don't think that his approach to Elvis was the right one. Because of the story beats, because of the overstylization, I think what does save this movie is Austin Butler's performance. I think it is really great. I really hope he gets some recognition for this. I really do, because I think it's that level. He's that good. I think he yeah. is that good, yeah. yeah. And I think the way Lerman films the performances, every time he's performing on stage, you know that he's just as enamored with Elvis, or if not enamored, at least very respectful and aware of what Elvis was as an artist and he films those sequences with such a dynamic i mean that energy man tired as i was i've been up since six in the morning so i'm really tired <laughs> i could not help but get like pulled into every single one of those they were all so great i would have liked a different elvis movie from baz Luhrmann, but okay. the one i got you know i liked enough yeah i was telling my boyfriend right now i was like he's like how'd you like it I was like i liked it enough that's not a glowing recommendation. No, but it's, but it's not like a, I'm throwing it in the garbage or anything, yeah. you know, yeah. either. It's not so. one of his worst films. Exactly. Because <laughs> he hasn't made a worse film. He hasn't made one. Chris. No. <laughs> I'm going to give this seven out of ten peanut butter and banana sandwiches. That was famously Elvis's favorite sandwich, so which I've never yeah. had because that just oh, still sounds weird to it's me. It's delicious. Oh is it God. really? With bacon. Well, anything's Peanut good butter, with- banana, and bacon sandwich is was anything's- his favorite sandwich. It's so good. Anything's good with bacon, Chris. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, well, that, that's true. I can't think of anything bacon would fuck up, quite frankly. Well, you know, yeah. Burger King tried to do that bacon Sunday. That I can skip. Okay, that's weird. <laughs> and I didn't know about that, and I wish you'd never told me that. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was deliriously in love with Baz Luhrmann at his excessiveness, like high level. I think we're all on the same level. Moulin Rouge is an absolute unassailable mm. masterpiece. It's just beautiful. I rewatch it at least once a year. Uh, I cry every single time I watch it. I'm just like, <laughs> I love watching beautiful people die horribly. It's great. <laughs> 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 exactly. I'm going to cry if you know Chris. <laughs> I, I hope so. <laughs> Assuming it's actually my funeral and I'm just not Mark Twaining it. All right, yes. Exactly. <laughs> but this is that for the first hour or so of it. And it was funny, like, I was talking to my friend Martin afterwards. He's like, I kept looking over you because I know how strongly you feel about Baz Luhrmann films. <laughs> and I can see what a great time you're having. You have this huge smile on your face. You're just like, ah, and you're laughing and everything. And then I could also tell the exact moment where you <laughs> stop feeling that way. <laughs> like you hear strong exhales of breath, like, uh. and it's just like that. I wouldn't feel that way if it wasn't two hours and 39 minutes. This is a film that should have been an hour and 45 minutes. And they could have easily made this film hour and 45 minutes. There's so much stuff here that just doesn't need to be here at all. And I am not talking about cutting anything from that first hour because I thought that was wonderful. But there's so much stuff in the second half. I'm like, it's already a mythological, not real version of Elvis's life. Like, we don't need to see everything. Stick to the strong stories. I don't know. There's a lot of like, oh, I don't know. I think I like the Beatles. I, who cares? <laughs> but, you know, uh, I don't care. 
I think this is a good movie. It's one of those films that people who won't see it till they watch it on streaming yeah, or home video yeah. will be like, I don't know why you guys are so hard on it. It's like, that's because you took like eight breaks while you were watching <laughs> right. it. This is like, this is going to pull in Top Gun numbers. No, no. 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 Well, I mean, that's the best selling movie uh, opening weekend of all time. So. Or Jurassic Park Dominion numbers. Yeah, well, I'm not even going to discuss that. But <laughs> didn't you like it? I thought it was the best of the Jurassic World films. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this is, it's okay. It's fantastic. And then it's just okay. There's a point where it goes, Elvis died. And I literally said in my head, like very loudly, like (laughs) echoingly loudly in my head, thank God. (laughs) Oh, wow. I was like, oh my God, it's about to end. I'm going to give this seven out of 10 traps that I'm caught in. Because I'm called in a trap. I had to do it. It's going to be stuck in my head now because they do that song a lot. I they do. And Suspicious Minds. Yeah. As well. well, that is that Suspicious, is suspicious Minds. Minds. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No. Yeah. What no. are you doing, Frank? I'm thinking about Did the other one. No, 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 no. I'm thinking about the. What's the oh, God. What's the other one? Jailhouse Rock. Love no, Me no, Tender. No. Harper Hotel. Harper Hotel. Harper Hotel. Yeah, yeah. Harper Hotel. Which one's the one that didn't do like, Are You Lonesome Tonight? Did they not do that? Or did they do that? It's hard to keep track. It is. There's points where there's like songs like bleeding over into each other. I think, like, yeah. I think oh, that might have okay. been in the background, but I love that. You song. don't know. You were just thinking about how much better you liked Australia. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. Which you're wrong. I'm not. You are. I'm not. You are. I'm not. You are. Australia rules. Suck. Suck. <laughs> <laughs>